Hello and welcome to Start Your Week. I'm Jacob Jarvis and joining me today is Alex Andreu. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Jav. Before we get started, we just want to say a huge thanks to all of you who support us on Patreon already. Things are getting tight in the podcasting world, advertising budgets are being cut, and we're going to have to rely on you more to keep the bunker going. We know things are tough out there, but if you can find £3 a month or more, you will be really helping us to keep going. Plus, you'll get episodes ad-free and early and a shout-out on Start Your Week. Search Patreon, The Bunker Podcast, or visit the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on to the show. So, Alex, last week was fairly disgraceful for plenty of politicians here in the UK, but Lee Anderson is finally gone from the Tory party. Is this really good news, or was it just Sunak buckling to pressure to save his own skin? Uh, well, the two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it, it can be Sunak buckling under pressure and good news. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't pop the champagne corks quite yet because uh, Lee Anderson, of course, is only suspended at the moment. And Oliver Dowden, who is the Deputy Prime Minister and did the media round on Sunday, said explicitly he would not rule out the whip being restored. Um, and Anderson has been relatively quiet, which is not like Anderson. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of uh, negotiation going on in the background for him to say sorry and come back. I, I really, I wouldn't exclude the possibility. The Conservatives have previous against Sadiq Khan. I, I mean, I would refer listeners to the campaign Zach Goldsmith ran against him last time round. So, um, yeah. yeah it, seems, it seems frustrating to me that it, it doesn't seem like he's been suspended and had the whip removed because of what he said, but because he's refused to apologise. So basically, you can be a Tory MP and say whatever the fuck you want, and it'd be really horrible. But as long as you say sorry, that's that's fine, seems to be what their, their level of standards are in the, the Parliamentary Conservative Party at the moment. Yeah, which is precisely what they were accusing the Labour Party of doing as a first reaction to the Azhar Ali story when Labour thought it was a one-off and uh, various representatives of uh, the Jewish movement within the Labour Party have said that he should get a second chance before more comments came to light and he was suspended. So, I mean, this is an, a nightmare for the Tory party, I think, precisely because they spent much of this month rending the garments about Labour taking 36 hours to suspend someone over secretly recorded comments in a non-Labour meeting that surfaced months later. And they currently have a range of Tories doing a sort of live tour of bat shittery. <laughs> um, and, and I will say, you know, exactly as I said on the issue of anti-Semitism when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, yes, it has been weaponized for political objectives, but the reason it is so potent a weapon is that there is truth to it. The left really struggles with questions around that. And the same is 10 times truer when it comes to the Tories and Islamophobia. And right now, as we speak, every minister Every single MP doing media, every councillor at every town hall meeting is being asked about this. Were these comments Islamophobic? What would you define as Islamophobia? Does the party have a problem? I mean, how long before the next person puts their foot in their mouth? I would wager not very long. Bravman and Trust, they've kind of been cozying up with some of the world's worst people recently, you know, particularly trust in the US out there with Steve Bannon and all sorts. But do you see anyone else losing the whip at the moment? 
Um, not those two. I think they are too powerful and Sunak is too weak. Um, suspending either would almost certainly end up in enough letters going in for a leadership challenge at the very least, if not a full-blown sort of revolt, um, which, is a, which is a huge problem for Sunak because both of them have their own agenda, right? Um, so it means that escalating the fight is what they want, but it's not what Sunak wants. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they continued to sort of dare Sunak to suspend them. I mean, it's it's a massive problem, I think, for um, the government. I don't mean the Tory party. I mean for a group of people trying to actually run an administration, trying to govern the UK, to have this constant, constant uh, side hustle taking away most of their energy, most of their focus. It's it's just a huge problem. And, and really, Sunak, if he were if it weren't for political expedience he would have called an election it's the obvious thing to do if you weren't so sure he would lose he he would have called an election to try and sort of bolster his personal mandate but he knows he will lose so he can't do that looking at more widely on this controversy so a lot of this was sparked from the the ceasefire vote that happened last week and Lindsay Hoyle has got a lot of backlash there particularly from conservative MPs what do you see happening with him this week well Hoyle is uh, meeting all the party leaders this week Labour and Lib Dems are broadly supportive and the government I think is not pushing for his head that much has been clear from Penny Morden's statements. They they want to blame Labour for the mess rather than the Speaker. Um, but I think the SNP will be very difficult to get on board, and for understandable reasons. As I understand it, they might be offered another opposition day debate to basically have another pass at this uh, um, motion that they want to put down. Um, but I'm not sure that would be enough for them. The question then is... Hoyle will be numerically safe, but if he cannot get the trust of the third largest party in the Commons, can he continue as the Commons Speaker? I'm not sure. And I think, judging from the tone of his comments last week, I don't think he's sure either whether he can continue as Speaker if he doesn't have the confidence of the SNP, even though numerically he'd be safe. You know, they couldn't depose him. But on the wider issue, I mean, the real issue is that I think the situation in Israel, which we'll talk about uh, in a moment, um, it's, it's causing cracks to appear in most big tent parties, I would say. And you know, this has exacerbated the fact that the Tory party has been schisming into two distinct parties for quite a while now. And I'm not sure they're reconcilable uh, because people will go to the polls in the next general election really not knowing which conservative party they're voting for. Are they voting for the party of sort of, um, you know, Robert Buckland or Oliver Dowden? Uh, and the One Nation conservatives who are fiscally responsible but basically don't want to kick everything over? Or are they voting for the party of Suella Braverman and, and Lee Anderson? I don't think that's clear. There may be electoral advantage from 
you know, saying this stuff and then distancing yourself from it. But the whole point of a dog whistle is that it is only audible to those whose ears are finely tuned, right? That's what the meaning of a dog whistle is. This is now becoming a foghorn, and I'm not sure that most moderatory voters, especially in the southeast and southwest, will wear that kind of, you know, bare bigotry. Sunak is trying to distract from this a little bit at the moment as well, isn't he, with having announced the HS2 funds being reallocated to the North and to the Midlands. Is this again? Yeah, I mean, is this just total desperation at this point to try and retain some support? And please give me more of a a fulfilling answer than just yes, yes, it is, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. Um, No, look, this is the third time I think he's announcing the funding. Um, you know, the money saved from HS2 being scrapped. My personal view, I know this plays well locally, right? It gives MPs stuff to put on their leaflet, which which must not be underestimated, right? Put Being able to put on your leaflet that we're putting X much money into this and we're restoring this bus route and all of that kind of stuff, you know, it's important for local campaigning. But I think it diminishes Sunak as prime minister to be running around talking about potholes and buses, as if it is the the sort of the Marshall reconstruction plan. Most people expect these things as the bare minimum. Most people expect their bus to be running and the and the road not to be full of potholes as a bare minimum. They don't consider it some you know huge revolutionary change in government they do not see it as a replacement for a huge project that was meant to revitalize the economy of the north of England. So, you know, renaming the northern powerhouse into engine of the north, which they seem to be doing today, and sort of re-re-re-announcing the same money over and over again, I don't think it helps them. I think overall it diminishes them as a government that that has a policy a plan, a strategy for the country. You know, fixing potholes is part of a strategy, but it can't be the headline. Moving on on Tuesday, there's also some committee action, isn't there? Can you talk me through what's going to be happening there? Oh, my goodness, I'm so looking forward to this. Um, I'm (laughs) such a geek. Um, So... Henry Staunton is appearing in front of the Business and Trade Committee on the Horizon Scandal on Tuesday. So I think this will be a very, very tasty session and Badenock and Sunak will be looking on very nervously at what he has to say, what possible evidence he might produce. And an hour later, that same afternoon, David Neal, the recently... Uh, sacked Independent Inspector of Borders and Immigration will give evidence to the Home Affairs Committee. Now, Braveman and Cleverly will be tuning in to that one, I'm sure, looking nervously at what he has to say. So um, both those committees are chaired by very, very experienced, very sharp Labour people, uh, Dame Diana Johnson in one case, and uh, Liam Byrne in the other case. And I think that afternoon has the potential to be 
huge box office that will dominate the news agenda until the Rochdale result comes in on Friday. Well, with that, I mean, it's vaguely amusing, really, that Sunak has managed to push so many things down the agenda that then a by-election is the last thing that we are we are talking yes. about. How yes. do you see... Uh... It's, I mean, isn't it weird that this is, I think, the third week that this happens? It's the third week that opens with some big difficulty for Labour and closes with the big Sunday programmes on politics being devoted to a skip-fire in the Tory party. So even when briefly they rest control of the news agenda, they have frittered it by Wednesday every week. It's really fascinating to see this happening again and again. Yeah, it's it's just constant that they just can't seem to mm. stay. Well, they're never ahead, but they can't seem to stay even less yeah. far behind for very long. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Um, <laughs> you were you were going to? We were talking about the Rochdale by election, weren't we? No, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, how do you see it playing out? Looking at it. Oh God, <laughs> that is a really hard one. Look, I've seen no polling, none at all, since the scandal two weeks ago. Maybe nobody wants to know. <laughs> maybe maybe they just don't want to see. Um, my gut instinct, if you, if you absolutely pressed me to make a prediction, is that Azhar Ali might still be elected because I think many people are not plugged into the news, will simply see his name next to the word Labour. Galloway, I'm sure, will be working hard to capitalise on what happened and won't be far off. But on this occasion, weirdly, he's fishing, at least in part, in the same pool as Reform, who will also be trying to make a lot of this, because they're, they're both trying to get the protest vo vote, in a way. Who knows? I mean, maybe there will be a surge for the Lib Dem candidate as a sort of none of the above. I don't know if the Lib Dems are pumping suddenly loads of campaigning personnel and money into the area. Uh, that would be the best result in many ways. But if you pressed me for an answer, my answer would be that Azhar Ali will still just get elected, which will be quite embarrassing for Labour. Moving on to world news, one thing I suppose you can say for American politics at the moment is it's uh, the votes aren't so confusing to see who will who will win, are they? So Trump is the the one constant at the moment, really, isn't he? It would appear, but Nikki Haley isn't dropping out just yet. I mean, I know you think that it's a it's a worthy yeah. endeavour to an extent. <laughs> I, I don't understand how she can want to bother. On top of which, we have visited Liz Truss of them as well, <laughs> as, <laughs> as if they didn't have enough problems. We, we exported yeah. um, our main problem to them. Uh, no, look, for Haley, it makes absolute sense to stay in the race until Super Tuesday and maybe actually for the entire primary season. Um, what usually dooms losing candidates is money troubles, right? Um, if the money doesn't dry up, why would a politician who at the moment is sharing the national spotlight, which they never get a chance to do in this way, why would a politician drop out of that contest? She has managed to make the Republican contest all about Trump, and she's the only person in the Republican Party right now seriously challenging 
Trump, his words, his actions, his conspiracy theories, his legal troubles. And so she's running a very savvy uh, campaign. Her fundraising remains incredibly healthy. She raised $16.5 million in January. I haven't seen the February figures yet, but the money she raised in January, which was after her first few defeats, was exactly the same amount she raised in the previous three months combined. So there is obviously a part of the Republican Party that is willing to pour money into putting down a marker and saying, you don't get to take over our party, Donald Trump, without a fight. We will be here and we will fight you to the end and we will expose you. So I suspect as long as that money is being funneled into her campaign, there is zero chance of her dropping out, however badly she does at the primaries. Because also, you know, the legal troubles are mounting for Trump and who knows what will happen there. Turning now to look at Russia. So what's the latest at the moment with Vladimir Putin following the killing of Alexei Navalny? Are there are there any concerns of him carrying out more of these sort of actions? Let's let's describe it as, I suppose, uh, in the wake of that horrific event. Well, um, Bill Browder, who is a, a longtime Putin critic and one of the prime movers behind the legislation that targets sort of oligarch money in the West. Um, He gave some quite concerning interviews uh, in the last few days, warning that this might mark Vladimir Putin sort of losing all restraint. Um, Remember, there was another enemy of his killed in Berlin just a couple of days after Navalny. It, It feels like Putin is quite close to crossing a line that means he is now completely without any restraint and just running amok. And unfortunately, there is very little, I think, people can do to stop him as long as he has that base of power in Russia. But it might make people more resolute in giving support to Ukraine, which is, I, I think, the Navalny uh, assassination has had that effect. It has marginalized people saying, why are we sending money to Ukraine? Even in the United States, you know, that kind of chatter from the Republican side, it has really gone down in volume over the last week because it just feels wrong while he's assassinating his political enemies to be running around saying, you know, Why can't we be friends with this guy? Finally, looking to some of the news in the Middle East. So there have been more strikes on Houthis in the Red Sea. How is that situation developing at the moment? I mean, the the more uh, US and UK fighter planes uh, did some strikes, 18 uh, Houthi sites in Yemen. Um, it, it, It is now, I think I'm right in saying, the fourth um, sort of joint operation by the Allies to further degrade, uh, those other words, Houthi capabilities. Um, I mean, strangely, we look to have settled into a sort of new equilibrium, even in this, 
where there's tit for tat and you know they they keep striking hooty targets and the hooties keep striking back but it doesn't somehow escalate further and it doesn't you know the contagion doesn't spread to the the rest of the middle east which i suppose is to be welcomed so i, I think we will see this going on for quite a while until the central issue which is what's happening is Gaza in settle is settled and we are hearing that there have been progress in the talks there um, in Paris between Israel and Hamas. Um, it is important for listeners to understand and to note that up until this point, it was actually Hamas blocking uh, progress to a ceasefire. Um, it was making various demands, we, which I think is instructive for people who are demanding an immediate ceasefire in the region, that it was actually Hamas that was not um, wanting it in the negotiations, but they have dropped some of those demands. And there was a meeting of uh, the war cabinet in Israel, um, I think on Saturday evening, which is a very good indication, right? Because it means that the Israeli negotiators came back from Paris with something to put to the government. That's all we know at the moment, but the 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 sort of you know the music around what is going on is relatively more optimistic than it has been for ages. Alex, thank you for joining me this morning. My pleasure, Jav. And as always, to you, thank you for listening. Remember that you can back us on Patreon, and for three pounds a month, you'll get episodes ad free and early, plus a shout out on this show. Here's Alex with today's. Big Monday thanks to Az Richards, Ed Churchman, Pauline Card and Haz. That's Start Your Week. Come back tomorrow for another episode of The Bunker. We have two episodes coming up with Chris Jones looking at issues around Russia. So two uh, interesting episodes to look out for. Thanks for joining us for Start Your Week. Start Your Week was presented by Jacob Jarvis with Alex Andre edited by Robin Lieber. Our art is by Jim Parrott and music by Kenny Dickinson. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison, and The Bunker is a Podmasters production.